What's going on, everybody? How's it going out there in podcast land? We are back for yet another episode, and this time we are tackling probably the creme de la creme when it comes to film festivals. Oh, there are some that have been around longer. There are some that have sprung up in recent years, but this one, oh, this one takes the cake when it comes to not only uh, breathtaking cinematic gems, but also centers, literal centers of controversy. We are talking about the one and only Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. Um, until 2002, uh, just called the International Film Festival, but it's always been referred to as the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, mm -hmm. Since forever. Uh, yeah, it's been around <laughs> for a while. Uh, the first the one 30s, was held... 1946. I think it wanted to start in the 30s, but you know, there's something happened in Europe uh, oh, uh, between between yeah, that and 1945. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a, a pretty big, uh, pretty big moment there. Uh, I'm sure we've talked about it yeah. before in our various history classes. Yeah. Well, I hope they do. Uh, I guess. Uh, I guess in recent times it hasn't been talked about, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not, but it, huh, yeah, you wonder why this this particular event hasn't been discussed in history class. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, this year is the 71st annual uh, Cannes Film Festival. Uh, it was held between May 8th and May 19th, mm -hmm. and... Yeah, I mean, I guess this is, um, th there's, you know, I guess uh, Venice is the oldest one that's still running. Um, there's also yeah. the Berlin Film Festival or the Berlinale. Um, yeah. I forgot when that one started, actually. But, yeah, as far as film festivals, uh, Berlin, uh, Cannes, and uh, Venice, they're like the top three. But uh, Cannes is usually held as the most prestigious. Right. Absolutely. Like if your film debuts at the Cannes Film Festival and it's treated with a critical acclaim, then you pretty much have carte blanche to do whatever you want. Yeah, this is um, this is a festival where, um, well, I guess the way it works, there's uh, there, there's there's a few different uh, it's things called selections. Um there's 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 uh short films there's uh classics uh, of course there's films that are in competition which is films that are um eligible to win the palm door uh mm -hmm. that's a that's the one that uh that people usually compete over um there's also Absolutely. special screenings and uh en certain regard or uh i guess they're they're more quirky than the um and the palm door films but yeah yeah i feel like those films are just like honorable mention we like we selected this film because like you know it takes like a unique step or this film uh like you know shot it in only like two days or something like that yeah or if it's fucked up because uh or that too yeah because <laughs> uh <laughs> One year, uh, your host Lan Lantimos uh, won for Dogtooth, and that's that's pretty much the most fucked up movie, without like super explicit violence, or or sex. Yeah. Um. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. 
but um but there's a lot of uh there's a lot of uh, you know weird films too in in competition and i guess we'll talk about that more but yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so i mean like you said earlier the whole point at least for films that are competing is to win the is to win the palm door which is basically a golden leaf that's what everyone's competing for just a giant golden leaf which don't get me wrong it looks good but at the end of the day it's still just a golden leaf yeah uh meanwhile it's like uh venice is like the don't they have like the silver lion or something yeah i think uh um venice it's the golden lion is the highest uh, honor there's a silver lion obviously if he came second um Uh berlin has like the golden golden bear bear yeah yeah um i don't know Uh, what they have at sundance or telluride uh, or tribeca (laughs) uh free lunch free lunch <laughs> free lunch it's the Basically. golden uh, book of mormon <laughs> so like, this is personally given to me by brigham young himself and i want you to have it <laughs> yeah um but yeah so a lot of legendary films have won the palm door over the years you know films like apocalypse now uh Blue is the warmest color. Tree of Life, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, um, I mean, you'd think that since it's a French festival, you think um, they'd be pretty snooty about it and uh, have a rather obvious bias. But actually, no. Um, I think more American films have won than French. Actually, they have. Actually, I'm looking at the list right now, and it's. Kind of insane how many films from the U.S. have actually won. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, besides France, Fra- France, and, and the U.S., there's um, there's a wide gamut of uh, countries that have won. Japan, obviously, Italy, uh, the U.K., but and also uh, Serbia. Uh, Serbia. Yeah, Thailand. Um, Thailand. Denmark. Denmark. Uh, Sweden's also, uh, uh, they've won a few times. Yeah, in fact, uh, the film that won a, a best uh, a best foreign film last year at the Oscars won the Palme d'Or. Yeah, uh, The Square. Mm-hmm. That, one I, that one I actually really liked. Um, it's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's about it's about museums, so that's why I liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, uh, Iran has also won. Uh, it's won once, but thanks to the Iranian diaspora, there's a lot of uh, people of Persian heritage who uh, win these awards, either Palme d'Or or uh, the. Um, on certain regard uh yeah yeah no you're right it definitely is a, a wide range of uh, of artists from uh, several countries that have uh, claimed uh, this honor over the years and the most recent palm door winner is a movie from japan called uh, shoplifters by uh, hiroka hirokazu uh, koreeda 
Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess um. This year, uh, the opening film was well by uh, Iranian director Asghar Farhadi, um, who's I think this time he's he's representing Spain of all countries. Uh, an Iranian filmmaker representing Spain. <laughs> yeah, um, for the okay. film, everybody knows or oh, to- todos lo saben. I guess because it has a lot of uh, Spanish actors in it. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it has uh, Javier Bardem, uh, Javier Bardem, and, and uh, Penelope, Penelope Cruz. Cruz. Uh, yeah, so there you go. And the closing film is actually, it's it's kind of funny. It's a movie that's been in the works for, I, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years at this point. Uh, it's Terry Gilliam's uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. That's right. Oh, my God. That's gone through so many production problems. It's a miracle they've actually, they're actually made it. Yeah. Um, the... The original uh, production was a subject of a, a, a separate documentary film, which came out 16 years ago. So mm. that's right. <laughs> Back when it had a uh, Johnny Depp as the lead. Yeah, yeah. If you go on to the IMDb or the uh, Wikipedia page, man. Uh, between 2005 and 2016, there's there's so many different cast changes. Um, Jesus Christ! From Robert Duvall, Michael Palin, uh, John Hurt is Don Quixote. May he uh, rest in peace. And uh, Johnny Depp, Ewan McGregor, Jack O'Connell, and Adam Driver, until it finally settled into um, Adam Driver as the lead and uh, Jonathan Price. Uh, as uh, Don Quixote. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently there's like another lawsuit that's happening right now that that's threatening to uh, delay the uh, the official release date of it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like it's a, ne- a never-ending thing. Like if you go on Terry Gilliam's uh, Facebook page, it's like every day he's talking about like, you know, like, all right, this is what we have to do to make sure that the movie gets released and da 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 da, da and all that. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're finally getting this uh, film released after 15 or so years, and yet you still have hurdles to cross. It's insane. Yeah. This is um, this is one of those movies that people would uh, expect to never make it out of development hell, but. Um, I'm happy for Terry Gilliam that uh, his uh, has to be a passion project by now. Like, it's oh, it's, it's finally be. out. <laughs> it, it's got to be. It's got to be. I imagine when he was off doing, uh, you know, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, he kept thinking to himself, "It's like, oh, when am I going to have time to to do uh, Don Quixote? When am I going to have time to do Don Quixote?" Yeah, but. You know, like I'm of two minds here. On the one hand, like you know, I can't wait for it to be released because it has all this, uh, all this hype surrounding it. On the other hand, it's kind of a catch twenty two because, you know, it's like this movie has been beset with a lot of production problems, financial issues, 
uh, loss of interest and pretty much any other issue you can think of for the last 15 years. So it kind of develops its own uh, reputation. Yeah. Also, with like so many fucking problems, there's there's very little chance it'll be good. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but we'll see. That's the thing. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's gonna be released in. Uh, I know at least a number, at least a few theaters around my area in New York right now where it's gonna be released. It's gonna be down the street. It's gonna be around the corner. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be at the. No, they closed that place. Ah, never mind. Wait, what did they close down? Uh, the Landmark Sunshine. Oh, man, really? Yeah, they did. Damn. The beginning, beginning of the year, they shut it down for no apparent reason. Shit. Yeah. Is, uh, well, I, I guess Angelica's still open, right? Angelica's still open, yes. And, that's vital. Um, fuck, uh, Metropole? Metropole, yeah, I think that's still around. Yeah. Metropole. Yeah, it was cool. Um, one time I was at Metropole. I was I was watching that Turkish cat documentary with um, the girl I was seeing at the time. But yeah. the the theater next door was playing a silent movie, so we can't talk until we're inside our own theaters. It was just weird. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's I I forgot what that movie's called, but it was in it wasn't it wasn't an old like a super old movie. It was just like, I think it came out in 60s or 70s. It's it French. It was in black and white. It was completely silent. Was, what, was it a Godard or Truffaut film? Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? It was probably played at, at Cannes at some point. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, because every major French film you can think of has been played at Cannes over the years. Yeah, well, any 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 person that um, considers themselves an artiste will try to get their film uh, uh, screened at con can. That uh, I've heard it both ways, but it's going to get to the point where it's going to be wind up. It's going to wind up being like some random French dude who just happens to have like a video camera and he's pointing it at the ground, and it's going to be nothing but that for like thirty five, forty minutes. Um, well, I guess, um, the Americans have did it first cause, I, um, cause I, I think Brown Bunny was shown at Cannes. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. Just hear, hearing the name Vincent Gallo just makes me sick. Yeah. It was a film so offensive that I think, uh, um, Roger Ebert wrote a really wrong, long review about it. And, uh. Oh, I think he. And he doesn't get upset very often. Yeah. Roger Ebert. He's like the kind of guy that's like, you know. Yeah. Roger Ebert called it the worst film in the history of Cannes. <laughs> oh, and uh, and Gallo responded. He said. Of course uh, he, he called, did. He retorted by calling Roger Ebert a fat pig with the physique of a slave trader. Wow. Uh, <laughs> And then paraphrasing a statement attributed to Churchill, Ebert responded with, it is true that I am fat, but one day I will be thin and he will still be the director of the Brown Bunny. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
it's like you're messing with Roger Ebert. Like you're yeah. talking about a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist right yeah. here. You better be prepared. Yeah. He's he's gunning out for you, man. He's got yeah. he's got a sniper's patience and the and the wit of I don't know Oscar Wilde, maybe. <laughs> Probably, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, I've never actually seen this movie because I guess who in their right mind would? But there's an infamous, uh, like extremely long, like unsimulated blowjob from uh chloe savini savini yeah uh i mean that's probably like not you know like i mean i guess if if there's a legitimate reason but again there's like really it's it's like just straight up putting porn into a film oh Speaking of, that's actually a perfect transition because the Cannes Film Festival for many years actually used to uh, uh, showcase and distribute porn. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, think about it. It's like these were not shown in like, you know, the big theaters or were given lavish parties at, you know, the Carlton Hotel or anything like that. No, they were shown like in the fucking basement. They were like, there's literally a seedy underbelly to the Cannes Film Festival, and that's where all the schlock films are <laughs> yeah. are shown every year. Because people, you have to understand, back in the 70s, it was apparently a trendy thing to go and to go to an actual theater, and there were several in Times Square to uh, to watch porn for a living. It would be like a thing. You and your like you and your friends or you and your wife would go out to the theater actually dressed up in like suit and tie and your wife would wear a dress and you would go watch porn. Yeah. Um, you know, like on the weekend, you take your kids, you watch behind the green door. <laughs> maybe not that. No, no, maybe not that far. <laughs> maybe not that far. Uh, See kids. That's what a black man's penis looks like. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. But yes, yes, people, that was a thing for over 20 years, actually, from like the early, like late 60s to about like the early 90s. That's what Times Square used to look like. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, before it got all uh, cleaned up by uh, was it Giuliani. It, uh, Giuliani, yes. Yeah. And also like Disney as well. No. Because uh, then CEO of Disney, uh, Michael Eisner, he uh, took like a tour of like this old theater that was big in vaudeville, like the New Amsterdam Theater. And it was run down. It was decrepit. It was this and all that. But like he saw the potential for a new show to be there. And you know what? Him and along with Giuliani helped clean up Times Square. Yeah. Um, so I guess they're uh, they're the ones to blame for all the like um, Elsas and Elmos and all the SpongeBob's fighting uh, on the streets, like you know, like just hockey yeah. people for uh, for photographs. Yeah, uh, yeah I, <laughs> I guess so. Although to be fair, if this was twenty years ago, it'd be uh, 
uh, hookers and prostitutes. Yeah. Um, they also, I think, uh, maybe it was two years ago. Like they finally banned like the 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 naked painted oh, women. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. I still don't have any idea why. Yeah. But the people say, the people say it was like you know like oh too distracting for uh, like for the family crowd and all that. They they do realize it's body paint and their parts are actually covered up. Yeah, well, well, you know how parents are. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I, guess, I know how uh, parents are too, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. I guess it was uh, the city's uh, attempt to uh, dissuade Times Square from becoming uh, Vegas. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, fuck. What was I gonna say? Um, well, speaking of CD, um, I guess we would be remiss if we did not mention that for the longest time, there was a lot of rape going on at Cannes. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, this year, um, I think 82 women, uh, uh, including, uh, led by, uh, Kate Blanchett, who was the jury, he was part of the jury this year. Took she was part the in a protest, uh, primarily to end the pay gap, but also uh, people like Asia Argento, uh, you know, went straight mm-hmm. for Harvey Weinstein and other and other scumbags that um, have used their position to, yeah, basically to fuck. Oh, absolutely! No, Asia Argento even said that uh, the Cannes Film Festival was Harvey Weinstein's personal hunting ground. Yeah. You know what? Good, good for them. Good for them. Good for them for finally, for well, not. But good for them for taking a stand. I was gonna say finally, but then I corrected myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, um, <clears throat> it's growing out of the, of the whole Me Too thing, and uh-huh. um, well, it's. Uh, well, you know, I'm glad they have a great platform, um, such a major platform for the industry like this. Absolutely. But, like, this is nothing new, though. Like, there's been, you know, controversy surrounding the Cannes Film Festival for years. Just like a few years ago, a bunch of women were prevented from uh, entering the festival, a bunch of actresses, because they wore flats instead of high heels. <laughs> I mean, I mean, dead serious. Yeah. It's like, it's like, are you kidding me? It's like they can wear whatever the hell they want. Who are you to tell them how they should dress? Well, it's also France. So um, if there's, Uh, if there's uh, another thing that France does well, it's uh, harassment. uh, Yes. Uh, Because uh, we are the uh, purveyors of our society and the, how you say, class. So if we see a woman without our ears, we just consider her unfeminine. Yeah, la femme, uh, without, uh, without the high heels, um, it, it is like a boy. Yeah, yes, it, it is exact, exactly like a, like a boy. And Exactement. Exactement. We do not want that at the le festi- Festival du Caen. Yeah. Um, hell yeah, man. France. Mm-hmm. Um, France. Uh, <laughs> I could go into like a whole uh, little th- 
whole little like thing right now on a. Uh, oh, did on you France see? Itself. Did you see um, the news recently where there was a? Um, I think it was from Mali. Um, he was the only person uh, oh. brave enough to rescue a child dangling from a balcony. And then, That's I, right. and, I, then, and then I guess Macron was like, oh, now we must give him the, the citoyenship. It's like, it, it, why yeah. not just give him the citizenship in the first place? Holy shit. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, this guy, um, I saw the video. He's an immigrant from Mali. He literally climbed four stories unassisted and save this kid. Not only did Macron give him citizenship right there on the spot, he also got a job in the fire brigade as well. Yeah, which um, he should have had in the first place if Macron would stop cutting all these fucking public service jobs. I know. <laughs> yeah, I oh, think okay. I think um, uh, Surreal, um, they're still uh, on strike because... Um, Macron's either gonna cut their fucking pensions again, or they're gonna, uh, or he's gonna slash more jobs. And yeah, I mean, good luck oh, with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I guess this is like a terrifying pre- precedent because um, if the standard to 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 get uh, EU citizenship is to uh, literally be Spider Man. Then um, I don't know what the then fuck uh, Bubakar from Senegal is going to do now. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. All I know is that he was seen as the lesser of two evils, Macron, between him and the woman who's basically a white nationalist. Yeah. Uh, Marine Le Pen from yeah, uh, Le Pen. Front National, who... Have they also been in the new? Like, I don't know if it was her or just her party. Um, I think she was like criticizing a, a a a Muslim woman of French descent for wearing hijab because that's her religion. <laughs> what the hell? It's... Uh, c'est la France. C'est la France. Um, I told you, man. That's that's part of their it's part of their flag. Red wine, blue cheese, white power. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember you remember you saying that to me. Um, now that I look look on it, it's like holy shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually the case. And it's like you know, yes, it's a beautiful country and everything, but underneath it all hides like you know a long and very sordid history of of racism, of discrimination, of anti semitism. It's yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I get, I mean, I get wanted to take your picture in front, uh, in front of the Eiffel Tower and everything. Just don't go into a bar wearing your uh, Star of David necklace, or you won't get served. Yeah, um, it's mind blowing that that happened um, in the present. <laughs> no, <laughs> that actually happened to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you told me that story. Like the the bartender saw your Star of David necklace, and he's just like, "No, like, f- flat out refused. Flat out refused." Yeah. <laughs> um. But it happened a long time ago. I'm over it right now. I mean, 
Well, I mean, I, you don't really get over something like that, but it's um, I don't think about it as often. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, well, I mean, also, I guess I I do want to say like all of the French people that I personally know have been like good people, but at the same time, yeah. uh, the French. Uh, public society is quite something else yeah, yeah absolutely um it's um so i'm let me just say this to people right now who want to want to who want to take a vacation to france you know you're more than welcome to it at least attempt to speak the language okay at least attempt to string like a few words together in french yeah, uh, <laughs> I know we're getting a bit sidetracked, but um, yes. one of my friends <laughs> went on vacation with um, uh, his friend and his friend's parents, and uh, his friend's dad is like a classic, uh, you know, low information voter type of guy. Um, so I have no idea what the fuck he was doing in France, but. So he went uh, from England to France, right, on the train. Yeah. Uh, as soon as they pulled into uh, Paris, he was like, okay. He, like, stretched himself and, like, uh, first and last time in Paris, let's get this over with. <laughs> and, oh and I'm like, My Mike, how the fuck did you survive two weeks with Stephen's parents? Like, how? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah unbelievable yeah he was like the most american of all tourists oh no he let me guess <laughs> he was wearing a a shirt that had the flag on it he was carrying like a little mock-up of the statue of liberty he had a yeah well i mean you know classic american tourist look um shorts the american flag t-shirt um 300 pounds yeah yeah 300 pounds he's got a he's got like a camera attached to him like taking pictures of pretty much everything yeah he's wearing oakley's and a baseball cap <laughs> <laughs> no it's like the type of guy who would wear uh, socks with sandals oh yeah socks with birkenstocks <laughs> absolutely oh yes. oh, oh. The, <laughs> the piece de resistance right there absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well see you don't get those kind of people at can um no no you don't because um it is invite only but also as as we mentioned um it's extremely it, it's extremely um selective with its dress code yes Absolutely. It's who oh, man, what, what's the term I'm looking for when it comes to its dress code? I was going to say strict, but I feel like that's a little bit too uh, softball of a response. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, for the men, obviously it's old school, but for the women, it's like both old school and sexist. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, because apparently they want to live life like it's the 1950s all over again, when you had when you had people like you know uh, like Brigitte Bardot, yeah, turning heads. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, so let, let's talk more about some of the Golden Palm winners. Uh, That's right. Here's a fun fact. Uh, the first year it was ever held, 11 movies won. How is that possible? I don't know. Maybe they were just making up for lost time or they didn't figure out the rules. But yeah, 11, 11, 11 films <laughs> won the Palm d'Or. Jesus Christ in 1946. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I only know one of them. I only know uh, uh, The Lost Weekend. Um, I don't think I've seen that one, but I've heard of Pastoral Symphony. Pastoral by uh, Jean Delanois. Delanois. Yeah. Delanois, okay. Um, yeah. It's, Is that supposed to be a good film? Uh, yeah. La Symphonie Pastorale. La Symphonie Pastorale. Huh. 11 films. And then they didn't have it for another few years. Yeah. Um, it didn't become annual until the 50s. Yeah. But yeah, 11 films won. So from Czechoslovakia, uh, Soviet Union, Switzerland, Sweden, Mexico, Italy... India, uh, UK, France, US, and Denmark. Huh. Huh. All right. Um, yeah, not bad. Yeah. And it was it was known as the uh, Grand Prix du Festival International du Film. Mm-hmm. That was the. It's like that sounds great and everything, but uh, I'm pretty sure the organizers said afterwards. Let's try and shorten it. Yeah. You know, much like much like the Academy yeah. Awards are called the Oscars. Let's try and shorten this. Yeah. Oh, they finally uh they they finally officially changed the name to the Oscars, right? Uh yes. There you go. But it but it's still known as the uh like the Academy the Ac- Awards. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's like well welcome to the hundred and fiftieth annual Academy Awards. <laughs> live from the city of entertainment hollywood california we are here watching has been has beens and tuxedos give out awards to even older has beens and tuxedos for movies that barely grossed a million dollars upon release yeah <laughs> it's always like sad biop biopics that that win <laughs> that's true but n- not all the time yeah, um, but usually drama. Yeah, usually drama. So you have to be a dramatic film. There's no way a comedy could come in and possibly win the Academy Award. Yeah. Has a comedy won? I'm trying to think here. Um, I mean, probably gold. at some point. Oh, yeah. Like a few of them have won. Just like older films, though. Yeah. Like, um, what, was, what was that one that came out? There's a movie called a uh, Marty, which uh, also won oh, the yeah, yeah. in 1955. Uh-huh. That's technically a comedy. It's also the uh, a shortest film ever to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Huh. Yeah. So, uh, fun fact. I guess g- generally the film uh, that wins. Um, the Palm Door. They're recognized for. Their artistic achievement, um, and you know, 
I I tend to agree with like yeah it's it's a it's an artistic film but also a good film like um, the ones that I have seen particularly yeah they are they are good movies and they're also uh, of notable artistic merit but some of them uh, one in the one in particular actually like after watching that movie I was like visibly upset and it's just like how the fuck did this movie win anything which film uh taste of cherry who that won in 1997 taste of cherry oh the iranian film yeah tom megillas uh mm-hmm. yeah i mean you joked about like a french guy uh having a camcorder and just like recording pavement um <laughs> this is similar in concept uh uh it's it's an incredibly small cast uh but yeah it's a middle-aged man driving around tehran uh looking for someone to kill him uh and yeah the whole movie is just the cameras pointed at him and the people who get into his car um and there's vague philosophy uh going on around it and eventually he climbs into a grave and a thunderstorm begins and then the credits roll, and it's just the director uh, filming the movie. Okay. This was also a movie uh, that uh, legitimately upset Roger Ebert. <laughs> wait, hang on. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. The film is such a lifeless drone that we experience it only as a movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> For Roger Ebert to call a film excruciatingly boring, you must you must really try. Yeah. Yeah, I had to watch it for um Persian class and and write a review about it and yeah I basically echoed the same thing <laughs> as Roger Ebert I don't mind like introspect introspective uh philosophical movies I mean you know everyone and their mother has seen the seventh seal and I like that one uh one. but yeah I mean I don't know it's this is the movie that becomes a template for what I call like Iranian festival films it's like mm-hmm. it's minimalist uh it's small cast um and there's like vague philosophical things but for some reason it's a huge hit in the in the festival circuit okay like there's this movie there's uh Jafar Panahi's uh, taxi which is a similar thing except he doesn't try to kill himself um uh, and uh a salesman uh, by Askar Farhadi, and it's. Uh, I've heard of that film, yeah. Salesman. But uh, Salesman at least had somewhat of a plot, so like that one is not as bad, but it, it still hit all the uh, the the requisite, you know, minimalist, uh, small cast, and like vague philosophical underpinnings. Huh. Well, maybe they're subscribing to a philosophy of uh, less is more. Maybe they'll 
maybe they don't need like an like an elaborate backstory or elaborate exposition or just like sweeping shots of their city, like sweeping cinematography to get across a, a message. Although, although, do you necessarily want a message in these films? Um, I guess intellectually, I understand what they're doing, but um, it, like I've seen like Iranian films not screen for festivals, and most of them are normal films. Like they have comedies, they have dramas, they have action films. Um, mm-hmm. really weird action films though, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, they do, they do like a uh, drama. Like, uh, I think most of the, it's like, f- like, uh, like family drama films about the Iran Iraq war, uh, films about, um, I think they're starting to make films about, uh, like, you know, history. That's, that's not the persian empire period so yeah mm-hmm. um but you know um i guess that's uh that's what the jury likes yeah apparently although i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that at some some points the jury is at one point so bored that they actually just fall asleep yeah um, well, depending on depending on how long the movie actually is, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, I remember there was a time when uh, there was this film got a lot of hype. It's called a. Uh, you ever heard of the movie Southland Tales? Yes, actually. <laughs> well, Southland Tales, for those that don't know, it came out in two thousand six. Supposed to have like a lot of hype surrounding it. Had a great cast in it it had Dwayne Johnson it had Mandy Moore Justin Timberlake Wallace Shawn even had Stifler in it yeah (laughs) but (laughs) it had Buffy in it and it had Buffy in it as well (laughs) but by the time it got to Cannes oh my god did it get booed the hell out of everything it got booed so so massively it was almost ridiculous <laughs> because i think the director of the film he was a little bit hasty when it came to uh when it came to uh releasing the film that by the time the rough cut was put together he just sent that to the Cannes film festival and hoped for the best yeah um Yeah, it says here he stopped editing the film and was unable to complete all of the visual effects in time for the screening. <laughs> wow. Wow, okay. Uh, was he under a giant deadline or what? Huh. I don't know. It seems here that he sent a rough cut, um, assuming that it would not be accepted, but then it did get accepted and was in competition. But I don't know why once he found that out, he just stopped editing the film. I figured that would just like, you know, give you a kick in the ass to finish editing. <laughs> I guess he figured, hey, if my film's good enough for canon, that's fine by me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, Roger Ebert uh, chimes in. The most disastrous since, yes, the brown bunny. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> uh, oh, this uh, critic in the UK's Observer, he said, Jason Solomon's, Southland Tales was so bad, it made me wonder if the director had ever met a human being, and that 10 minutes of the sprawling, plotless, post-apocalyptic Farrago gave him the sinking feeling that this may be one of the worst films ever presented in the competition. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible indeed. That beautifully, beautifully sums it up right there. Oh, man. So much so, they dedicated an episode of, uh, several episodes of Entourage to like a similar plot element. <laughs> man. <laughs> so, but yeah, if you've seen Entourage and you've seen all the episodes regarding the movie, uh, Medellin, then you know what I'm uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah, boy, um, man, what else was in competition that um, that <laughs> was that was like that offensive to critics and the jury? Oh, that is a very good question. Um... I mean, I guess uh, you know, there's a legendary Danish bad boy Lars von Trier who's Oh, who, yeah. who was actually persona non grata for a few years. <laughs> what did he do? What did he do to get you? Uh, what do you do to get you banned from the Cannes Film Festival? Oh, well, he had some really, uh, really bad comments at the um, at the Melancholia uh, press conference in Cannes. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, what would say uh, for one year? Oh my God! No, he did not say that. Yeah. He did not say that. Oh my God! God, no wonder he was persona non grata. Yeah, and I mean, Melancholia was also not a good movie, so. <laughs> uh, Antichrist, um, also, it's, see, Antichrist is weird. Um, I kind of, I kind of understand what the movie is about, but it's also, like, a movie that's extremely, like, it, it, it attacks you. <laughs> <laughs> It really does. Yeah. It really does. Oh, God, there's the... Oh. I, I remember, like, when I saw, like, that, that fox in, in the woods. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, um, I guess that's what the fox says. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But there's Antichrist, there's Melancholia, and then there's Nymphomaniac. Yeah. Starring um, <laughs> um, fan oh. favorite uh, <laughs> Shia uh, LaBeouf. <laughs> starring actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> um, and which uh, Stellan Skarsgård has concluded that if you look at the film, it's actually a really bad porn movie, even if you fast forward. And after a while, you... <laughs> 
And after a while, you don't find you don't even react to the explicit scenes. They become as natural as seeing someone eating a bowl of cereal. Okay. Um, uh, sh- sure. Sure. There. And if the movie's not long enough, there's an extended five and a half hour uh, director's cut. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess there are some uh, dedicated uh, Lars von Trier fans out there that have that have seen the five and a half hour uh, director's cut, just as there are fans out there that probably saw the director's and extended cut of Caligula. Yeah. Um, well, that one is uh, that one is actually straight up porn, right? It, it really is, but <laughs> so, it, it pretty much is, but it somehow manages to feature Peter O'Toole, Malcolm McDowell, yeah. John Gielgud, and Helen Mirren. Yeah. I'm sure Hel- Helen Mirren loves being associated with that movie. She's got, she's got an Oscar right now. I'm pretty sure she's <laughs> forgotten all about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I need, need for somebody like to make the, print like a book or a documentary describing like, you know, the making of Caligula. Um, was it one of the D- DVD releases? Uh, di- didn't one of those have a documentary like about a, it? I, I, there might've been, I think when it was released onto DVD had like, like that three DVD set. I think one of those had a, a documentary ish element to it hmm. yeah but yeah needless to say that wasn't shown at can <laughs> yeah that probably would have been rejected <laughs> yeah um i guess other contro- controversies um the festival director banned selfies in 2015 um, uh-huh. and in 2017 uh, and 2018 uh, the festival kind of stuck to their guns and said uh, films have to be screened in a theater so anything released on Netflix is banned that's BS that's yeah straight up BS yeah it's it's like, it's like seriously Come on, Netflix. Sometimes Netflix, you know, produces a lot of a uh, lot of shit, like we've discussed in the past. But sometimes it actually produces quality films and documentaries. I don't understand why those can't be shown at like you know prestigious film festivals. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure all the uh, jury members have Netflix accounts. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I mean, also. Netflix ends up being the places where some of these festival movies end up being shown anyway. Yeah, that's true. Because, you know, like, I don't know how many theaters are willing to commit to a release of Shoplifters. No, that's just going to be released to, like, indie theaters Yeah, around the States. But, I mean, it's obviously going to get a wide release in its own country and in Japan, but pretty much everywhere else, you're going to have to go to like your local art house theater to yeah. 
see that. And even then, it's probably not going to be out for a long time. So if it's on Netflix, like it's going to be yeah. up for at least, you know, a couple of months, uh, up to like half a year, maybe. That's a, that's a lot more eyes. Absolutely. No, it definitely is. And unfortunately, the... The uh, the director of the f- festival like refuses to acknowledge it. Yeah, it's kind of ugh. it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Well, if there's anything else that um, the French uh, know how to do is th- they think they're uh, they're better they're better than um, other countries and that their way is best. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. Yeah, we do. We do not do things uh, any other way. We do things the uh, the French way, le, le Fran- les Français, and our way is best because we are physically and intellectually superior than everybody else. And uh, if you don't like it, uh, fuck you. <laughs> We are uh, the haute society. Uh, we have uh, the best. Uh, we have uh, the best language in the world. Oh man! <laughs> I don't. I don't actually hate France, but I always tell people that I, I hate don't France. <laughs> It's no, whatever, I, whatever. I, like I, I, you know, I see people like saying, um, <laughs> "It's like, oh, you know, I love Paris, like French food, French pastries," and I'm like, I always like say, like, oh, French food sucks. It's just like regular food, but with butter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't hate France either. I mean, there are some aspects that I find uh, a little bit disgusting, but uh, no, not a little bit. You know, a lot disgusting, but. You know, I have nothing against it. I mean, I, I yeah, like obviously, like I mean, you know, I I, I like uh, Serge Gainsbourg. I, I like Charles Aznavour. I like uh, Edith Piaf. I like mm-hmm. uh, I like French philosophy. You know, like Baudrillard, Bate, Foucault. So, right. Oh, Foucault. Uh, it's not bad. It's just like you know. You're, you're, give, you're giving me uh, you're giving me flashbacks right now to pretty much every single class at NYU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I guess I can't forget to mention uh, Jean Reno. Jean Reno, of course, le professionnel. Yes. Um, Leon the professional. That one is also kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah um <laughs> well i mean it's uh luke besson what do yeah. you expect how old was natalie portman in that movie she was 12 wow yeah <laughs> god damn i know right well that is la france for you that is the France between Natalie Portman in uh, in uh, Leon Le Professionnel and uh, Mila Jovovich in a uh, uh, Fifth Element. I mean, he kind of has. A, I think he has a problem. 
Yeah, and that problem is called being French. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let them hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh man. All right. Uh, okay. So, what other movies were in competition this year? At uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Let's yeah. see. Well, you know, um, there's uh, the, there's the Spike Lee joint, uh, Black Klansman, oh, which got a ten minute ovation. Yeah, and actually, and actually, does look amazing. It does. It's, uh, it's Spike Lee firing, fi- firing on all cylinders. So. Yes, he is. Good for him. Good for him. I cannot wait to see it. It looks pretty fucking epic. Yeah. Well, what was the uh, last Spike movie you saw? Last Spike Lee movie I saw? Yeah. Um, oof, I'm trying to think here. Uh, well, I mean, I've been watching uh, the TV version of the She's Gotta Have It on Netflix. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of like Spike Lee movie... That I've seen, like, you know, I'll go back and I'll watch, uh, you know, Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X and yeah. Mo Betta Blues. But I think the last Spike Lee movie I really watched, like, from beginning to end was uh, She Hate Me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, I guess technically the last uh, Spike Lee movie I saw was his remake of Old Boy. Oh, uh, what'd you think? It was literally the same movie as the Korean one, so... You'd better off uh, just watching the Korean one. And the Korean one's a hell of a lot more violent. Yeah. Um, but if you want to see Josh Brolin fucking... Uh, if you want to see Thanos fucking the Scarlet Witch, uh, go see Old Boy 2013. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I guess the, the two uh, Spike Lee movies, and technically one is not a movie uh, that I watch, is bamboozled and the original kings of comedy oh nice bamboozled was actually i find it to be a very underrated film yeah i feel like you know obviously uh do the right thing uh she's gotta have it uh mo better blues um malcolm x malcolm x those are the movies that's you know unfuckwithable classics but i think bamboozled especially since it came out in 2000 and and um, it's a kind of thing that's grown even more relevant in recent years. I mean, I guess no one's really doing, you know, blackface, blackface shows, but, um, you know, adopting black culture is like, just like increasingly relevant. Right. Um, and you're wrong actually, because, uh, 30 rock did a couple episodes where one of their white characters was in blackface oh hell yeah <laughs> 30 rock um wait who was it it was a uh, jane krakowski oh of course um because uh yes because uh, it's not enough that she's uh white as hell and plays a, a someone who's supposed to be native american and unbreakable kimmy schmidt yeah. but she also has to don blackface as well yeah um I wonder if this is true, but um, you know, whenever they make, uh, whenever they make like uh, slavery movies or whenever they make, uh, you know, like uh, history movies about Annabellum or post 
uh, post-war South. Like, are there any yeah. of those actors that are like, yes, I get to say the N word. You mean like any any white actors? Yeah, like any yeah. like any white actors that are just like really excited to just like let loose and just call someone straight up, you know? Yeah. Um, honestly, yeah, I think that's probably the case. Yeah. Obviously, they won't say that in public, otherwise their careers would be destroyed. But in private, I'm sure they say like, you know, yes, I finally get to say that word. Yeah, like. Is that why, like, well, I mean, you know, obviously. Obviously, that, obviously that's not why. It's, <laughs> obviously, that's not why they take the film. If it is, then uh, then they have a lot of fucked up priorities. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, um, original King's a comedy, man. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's some classic stand-up. It is. Rest in peace, Bernie Mac. R.I.P. Um, there's also um, it, it's Steve Harvey before he really got, you know, uh, all daytime, daytimey. Uh, you mean before Family Feud, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like to think of Family Feud nowadays as Steve Harvey's slow descent into insanity. It's just a Steve Harvey reacts show. <laughs> it pretty much is. What's the no, name will... for what's the name for a thing that you find in your man's bathroom? Um a condom. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like like what name a boy's name that starts with the letter H. Jose. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> what the hell? You're right, it's pretty much just the Steve Harvey React show. Yeah. Name name a body part that you kiss with your mouth. Uh what about the breasts? Good God. <laughs> no. Like name some, <laughs> name a body part that gets bigger as it get gets as someone gets older. Penis. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I I used the proper medical term. I don't care what you said. Y'all. You could have you said wing ding, tingling, anything. Y'all. This is a family show. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. And he's been doing this for over ten years now. Uh, you know, you know what else is my favorite Steve Harvey moment? What is when he defended Michael Vick? He defended a guy who would who supported dog fighting. Yeah, no, it straight up said, "Let a man kill some dogs." What? <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Let, let a man kill some dogs was this when uh vic was operating under his alias ron mexico yes i ab, ab, absolutely 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Uh, um other movies in competition. Um Yes, check change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> Under the Silver Lake uh by uh David Robert Mitchell, starring Andrew Garfield, Riley Keough, and uh, Topher Grace. Huh. Oh, wait, I've, I've seen the trailer for, I've seen the trailer for this movie. Um, it actually looks kind of good, to be yeah. honest. It's about a, it's about a guy who, uh, who's investigating of the, the disappearance of his neighbor who he happens to be in love with. And it le- he's kind of playing like an unwitting uh, detective who, uh, as he finds clues, it kind of leads to a larger conspiracy. Looks kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I liked uh, David Robert Mitchell's last movie, It Follows. Oh, that's the horror film, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll probably check this out when, when, it, get, when it becomes available. Yeah. Um, there's another uh, entry by by an Iranian uh, director, uh, Jafar Panohi. Three faces. Um, Three faces. He's representing his own country, uh, not like okay. not like uh, Oscar Farhadi, who is batting for <laughs> Spain. <laughs> right. So, oh, here's the. Oh, it's basically. Uh, uh, Benaz Jafari, a popular Ira- Iranian actress, searches for a young girl in northwestern Iran with her friend Jafar Panahi, a director, after seeing a video of the girl asking for help to leave her conservative family. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, th- I guess the style of uh, Jafar Panahi is um, he's always in the movie, but always has himself. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like... Taxi was all right, but again, it's it's incredibly, you know, you have to be in a particular mood to watch it. Right. Um, let's see. Um, you talked about Spike Lee. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, France has a couple. Uh, Girls of the Who Sun. By Eva Hassan, uh, at war with Stefan Brise. Uh huh. Um, Knife and, and Heart by Jan Gonzalez. And, uh, and Sorry Angel by Christophe Honore. Huh. Okay. Well, see, they're represented. Uh, Kazakhstan yeah. has a. As an entry called Aika? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, Aika. By Sergei Tvortsevoy. Yeah. Um, South Korea in this one um, with Burning. Uh, Japan also has another entry. uh, Asako 1 and 2. Asako 1 and 2. Oh, it's a two-parter, but shown at... At, at the same time? Yeah. At once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, and there's a Egyptian film called uh, Yomedin. Yeah. Um, 
and it's a comedy film. Uh, and there's really not much to say about that. Uh, not because, you know, I, <clears throat> only because I can't find the plot on, uh, <laughs> on Wikipedia right now. Uh, um, well, well on... wait, I guess France has one more, um, entering with Switzerland, uh, the book of the image book by image Goddard. By Jean-Luc Goddard? Yep. I didn't realize he was still alive. Um, I don't know if this was actually, you know, his work or um, someone helped him. Because he has to be like 100 years 80s. old by now. He's in his 80s. The, oh, so there's actually a really funny story I want to tell. Um, when uh, During the 80s, when Jean-Luc Godard was trying to find work, in the States, he came across uh, our uh, good friends, uh, Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus of, uh, of <laughs> Ken, and they, who uh, tasked him with making a kind of a semi-modern but not quite adaptation of King Lear that somehow had uh, Norman Mailer and Molly Ringwald in it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a wild cast. I know, right? Um, but anyway, at the Cannes Film Festival, when they were trying to sign him to do this film, uh, Golan and Globus realized they didn't have any paper. With They didn't have like a specific contract with them. They didn't have any paper around. So they drew up the contract on a napkin Literally on a napkin. That is classic. Yes, it is. We're just like, you know, here, uh, Mr. Godard, uh, if I could just have your signature right here and you will do our movie. He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, sometimes, you know, you just want to be a fly on the wall when... Something like that I, happens. I really do. I really do, to be honest. Especially anything involving uh, Golan and Globus. I just want to. Yeah. I just want to sit in on one of their meetings and just figure out what the hell like goes on in their heads. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much um, what was in competition this year. Uh, Shoplifters won, as we mentioned. So, um, yeah, I, the, the other big prize is uh, En Certain Regard. Um, yeah, and this year the winner was a Swedish film called Border. Okay. Um, Iranian director, uh, Ali Abbasi. Um, yeah, like I said, they... <laughs> It's a very the the international film festival circuit is very popular among Iranian directors, and they seem to be very well received. So good for them. Absolutely. Uh huh. Uh, this is a this is based on a short story by John Ivedelintvist, who I guess people may have heard uh, with uh, "Let the Right One In." Oh. Yeah. Gotcha. He, he was the one oh, who wrote. He was the one who wrote, wrote the novel and the screenplay, uh -huh. I think, for the original Swedish version. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. Um, f- what else is in uh, competition for this award? Um, um, we have films from. Oh, what about this film that's representing South Africa, France, Poland, and Greece? Oh, okay. Called the, called the Harvesters. It's um. South Africa, France, Poland, and Greece. Yeah. Um, and apparently it's a it's technically regarded as a South African film, but it's directed by a Greek director. Okay. Um, where, where, where do the polls come in? I have no clue. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they financed it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they financed it. I don't know. Um, um there's a there's a Kazakhstan and France production, Gentle Indifference of the World. Nice. Um France, a, Germany uh, and Turkey. <laughs> there's a Germany, Ukraine, France, Netherlands and Romania production. Oh yeah. Donbass. Um which was also the opening film. I think this one was a World War II film. It it doesn't look like a World War. Is it a World War Two film? No, or? I can't tell by the by the cover. Yeah. No, because that's a modern car. That maybe it took place during the eighties. I'm not sure. Um, but the but the director won the uh, uh, Certain Regard Award for best director. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works, right? Like, best yeah. movie wins, but sometimes the director doesn't. No, that's the thing. Apparently, that's a rule now. You know, if your film wins the, uh, if your film wins the Palm Door, it can't win anything else. Huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, a lot of people disagree with that rule. Spielberg included. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you know you kind of assume that the movie is good because of uh, the director. Uh huh. But. You know, I guess the French knows more about movies than we do. I, I guess so. Um, here's a fun fact: uh, a few of the films screamed out of co- uh, screen out of competition. Uh, Lars von Trier's Return with uh, the House of Jack built. It's a serial uh, killer uh, thing, starring Matt Dillon, who already looks like a less. serial killer. killer. Um, the Fahrenheit 451 uh, adaptation. Uh-huh, um, which apparently was terrible. Yeah. Starring Michael B. Jordan and uh, Michael Shannon and yeah. Sophia Butella. Uh-huh. And Sophia Butella is supposed to be portraying someone who's like 16 or 17 years old. Yeah. I think she's like close to 35 or I think she is 35. I think so. Right now. She still looks good. 36, yeah. Wow. She looks incredibly good. Yeah. Um, Solo. Yep. Screened out of competition. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> because it's not enough that they have to subject this onto the world, but they do they really have to show it at fucking Cannes? Not a single Star Wars film was ever shown there. Yeah. Um yeah, um, 
finally ate my own words and um i got a free ticket to a solo but i also got a free ticket to deadpool too so that kind of made up for it but yeah <laughs> i now no, I, I i'm not sure where exactly it went wrong maybe it's because they switched directors halfway through um mm-hmm. I don't like I thought it was just going to be Alden Ehrenreich's fault but I think to be fair to him like the lines he had to deliver were also like not that great but I don't know how you can make a movie about Han Solo and have it like turn out to be really boring <laughs> Oh so it got a uh, it got Lucas then kind of yeah, it's like, <laughs> and, and like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think even like, like, I guess George Lucas met, uh, you know, Alden Ehrenreich and uh, Donald Glover and obviously Ron Howard, but I don't know if he had any actual input. Um, No, because when you sell your uh, life a work away for uh, four and a half billion dollars, I don't think you get to have any input. Yeah. Um. Um <laughs> uh, yeah I guess it's also kind of weird cuz um you know there's a romance between Han Solo and Amelia Clark's character Kira who has Let not existed see. before and uh well I guess you're not going to see this movie so like she doesn't die at the end so she still exists in the Star Wars universe and I, okay he, well, we all know he ends up at least for a while, like, you know, being married to Princess Leia. So, like, right, yeah. So, so um, the story of Han Solo is basically like him and his girlfriend tries to leave the 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 shitty slums of his home planet, but um, she gets left behind, and he's still, you know, pussy drunk. So he's like, uh, I gotta go back and rescue the girl. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh but you know it's like you know adding new characters to uh, establish the you know series that's nothing new you know that's been happening for years but still it's like was this necessary? Yeah, I mean this is someone who's like I guess a core character in Han Solo's life that no one has heard of before so um, doesn't get mentioned um, again, so um, yeah. But we do find out we we do find out how Han Solo got his last name, which no nobody asked. Um, how he got his gun again? Uh, nobody asked. <laughs> nobody that. asked. And um, how he met Chewie, which no. Well, I'm pretty sure. Well, they, like how he met Chewie uh, is an interesting story, and I would rather the movie start there. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, it's kind of like this movie answers like, like it shows a lot of things that they mentioned, like uh, how he won the Millennium Falcon uh, through a poker game, space poker. Uh-huh. Um, how he did the <laughs> Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, sure. Like, I I did really enjoy Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Um, but like, we already know he won it in a poker game. Is that like? There's not much you can add to that story. 
by showing right. it on screen. It's not like, you know, uh, the Rebels got the plans for the original Death Star. Um, that one, you right. can add, like, a lot of things to it, which, you know, resulted True. in Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Which is probably the most expensive movie ever made. I think I said this to you last time. Most expensive movie ever made to fix a plot hole. Yeah. Um, I guess this was also um, an expensive movie to fix a plot hole. And which plot hole was that? Um, I guess twelve uh, in less than twelve parsecs is not parsecs is not a measure of time. So I guess people have been trying to justify that for the past forty years. Uh-huh. Um, which again, if you consider that. Han Solo was just trying to fool like a country bumpkin and an old man then like yeah there's no need to justify that (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah Uh, but they're gonna keep you know making these movies and they're gonna continue making money hand over fist uh, well, I guess this is not making money hand over fist because apparently it was not up to the standards. But it's wild because this is still the biggest uh, movie to open the past weekend. <laughs> and that's saying a lot considering all the films that have opened this year. Yeah. Like, it still made $100 million. So, opening uh, uh, well, weekend. Yeah. Well, yes, but compared to... Uh, <clears throat> Compared to their original budget, that's not really saying anything. Right. Um, well, we'll see if the international market helps them. <laughs> right. Um, oh, the the Whitney uh, Houston documentary was also screened out of competition. Oh, that I want to see. Yeah. That I want to see. That looks really good. Yeah, from the guy who brought you uh, Last King of Scotland. And the documentary on uh, Bob Marley. Yeah. Kevin McDonald. He's from from, uh, Glasgow in Scotland. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is cool. Um, the 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 Cannes classic this year was two thousand one Space Odyssey. Um, I think this was the 70, 70 millimeter uh, cut that uh, yeah. Christopher Nolan um, supervised. That makes sense because think about how many directors nowadays have been influenced by that film. Yeah, um, yeah, it is the fiftieth anniversary of the movie. Yeah, actually, yeah, um, May fifteenth for the UK and uh, April third for the US. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's like everybody: uh, Spielberg, Lucas, uh, Sidney Pollack, uh, Billy Friedkin. Uh, Christopher Nolan, you know, and even uh, even people who are not directly um, influenced by Kubrick, their influence like unconsciously, either through like 
pop cultural osmosis or just like the people that they look up to they looked up to kubrick mm-hmm. yeah no they do like they, they consider him like the you know the the end all and be all of a of a directing itself yeah well i mean certainly he's one of the best Um, no, he is. He is. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, we talked about The Shining. Um, you know, we we, we got to talk about Strange Love at some point and uh, Full right. Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. And we could gentlemen, do, you can't, yeah. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we should like we should. Uh, build an episode around war movies and um, yes we should we should talk about the original rambo too because um if you've if your only exposure to rambo is the is the is the stereotypical oh, no. rambo that's not what the first rambo was about <laughs> no i know oh my god the first rambo was actually a brilliant film yeah um yeah, it's so weird because, like, in the first Rambo, he's like, "Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a veteran, and everyone hates me." And then uh, Rambo two and Rambo three, and it's like, "Sure, I'll kill the communist, Mister Reagan." <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, he was basically like the uh, the Republicans' uh, weapon of choice in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's like, yeah, no, I'm going to start working out some more and I'm going to strap a machine gun to my chest and I'm going to tie a bandana around my head. I'm going to start firing, just firing, just going, ah! Yeah. Although I do have to say that I really liked uh, the fourth Rambo movie. <laughs> where, he's, where he looks like he's just like super jacked on roids. Yeah, where he's literally like a PS1 character and <laughs> he, he has to rescue uh, Julie Benz from uh, yeah from Myanmar I guess Julie Benz there's a name I haven't heard in forever yeah um, no but it is a cool movie and it has a, it has an unintended effect of like actually inspiring um, uh, uh, the Karen people of Myanmar to join with the Karen rebels because they made uh-huh. it look so cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> like they they ended up also like adopting the, the what Rambo said is like uh uh is like uh is it die for something or live for nothing? I think like, it's like, like live for something or die for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to do that episode. Um, yes, yes, we do. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it for Khan uh, in 2018. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else uh, we need to highlight. Um, um, I feel like we've pretty much covered it all. Yeah. Um, also, I guess there's a there's a, an award in. Um, recent years, uh, I guess it's not an official, uh, award, but it's called the queer palm and it's, uh, selecting, uh, 
you know, LGBT movies. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of really cool queer movies. Um, stuff like um, Sorry Angel, um, a film from Kenya called Rafiki. Um, it's not about the monkey, folks. Don't don't be racist. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, and yeah, uh, a bunch of other works. Uh, Diamantino, uh, that's a Brazilian film, I believe. But yeah, um, there's a bunch of unofficial awards around the uh, Cannes Film Festival that uh, sometimes they're, they're hilarious, sometimes they're not, because there's also an award called the Palm Dog, which... One of the best dog yeah. in movies? Yeah. Okay. They created that because of uh, because of the dog and the artist, right? Um. Well, it was begun in two thousand one. Ah. Okay. Never mind. So before that. Okay. Yeah. The palm dog. <laughs> yeah. But yes, the dog from the artist did win at some point. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. You know, good for them. Yep. Um, it's good that our canine friends are being recognized. Yes. So, yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for the Cannes Film Festival. Um, at some point, I guess we could also talk about the other, uh, you know, big festivals. name festivals. Um, talk about the differences and some of the similarities. And I guess we could also talk about the U the major U.S. film festivals. You know, you got your Sundances, you got your South by Southwest, which tell your ride. I guess South by Southwest now is pretty much an everything festival yeah and uh tribeca of course in new york Mm -hmm. but yeah um final thoughts final thoughts um you know we'll uh we'll see what happens in the coming years at uh at can you know i'm hoping you know what what's happening this year will lead to more uh a public uh, demonstrations and hopefully we'll see some really good films. Yeah. Yeah. Final thought. Um, just stop raping people at the French Riviera. Yes. <laughs> just stop yeah, that, doing that, that. Just, just don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Well, um, this has been another episode of questions like this. And we just uh, answered, you know, just what exactly is a con film festival and what are some of the stuff that's on display and what do, what, what do critics like and don't like? Um, exactly. Yeah. My name is Aristo. And I'm Alex. And we'll see you next time with Rambo or something. Or some shit like that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll figure it out by the time we uh, we start recording. But anyway, take care, everybody. See ya.